Please be seated. Our Bible reading for this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Uh, you can follow along yourself or on the screen behind me here. That was Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you before, my name is Ben. I'm the community pastor here. And we're going to be talking about community this morning. This is a topic that I'm really passionate about. I'm excited to share with you on this as we look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And this morning, I want to start by asking you a question. What do you think about when I say the word church? Church. What comes into your mind? Maybe you think of of this, what we're doing this morning, a Sunday service. Maybe you think of a building, maybe an old building, a cathedral. What kind of feelings come to you when I say church? Do you feel bored or maybe excited? What is it that you think about when I say the word church? Now, I find this a very interesting exercise because I wonder how much of what we think actually lines up with what the Bible says. One of our members, Jack DeVries, um, shared a story recently about how he was getting a haircut and he was talking to his hairdresser and um, he invited her to come along to a Sunday service some Sunday. And she was interested, she was open to it, and she said, okay, I'd be interested, but um, how much does it cost? How much does it cost to come along? People have all sorts of different ideas about what church is all about. And Acts 2 is going to show us what the church is, but especially what church looks like when God is at work. What it looks like when the Spirit of God is at work among us. In fact, we'll not be able to make sense of our passage unless we see that the Spirit of God is behind it. The church, that is the community that we find in Acts 2, is too wonderful, too amazing to simply be credited to human efforts. Only the Spirit of God could have created a community like this. Now, I'm not trying to say it was a perfect community. Keep reading along Acts and you see that troubles came along. But Acts 2 gives us a picture of the kind of community that the Spirit is capable of producing. The Spirit of God was at work right from the beginning of the chapter. In Acts 2 verse 4, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit enabled them to proclaim the gospel to others in languages that they never even knew. And then Peter gets up, inspired by the Spirit, and preaches the gospel to his fellow Jews. And 3,000 of them repent and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit too. This is a community 
that the Spirit has created. It's the kind of community that all of us want to be a part of. Wherever you are on the introverted, extroverted spectrum, all of us have a desire for relationship, for belonging, for connection, for community. God has made us this way. God has made us this way. And God intends to fulfill these desires in the community that he is creating, the church. So let's have a look at what kind of church God is creating in this world. Let's have a look at three things that characterize God's community in Acts 2. The first point is that God's community is a devoted community. This is the first thing that we see. God's community is a devoted community. We read in Acts 2 verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now these four things can be grouped into three priorities. The first priority of God's community was, and notice that I've just put three more points into my first point. So it's actually a six-point sermon. But anyway, hopefully we get there. <laughs> The first thing that we see that they were devoted to was Scripture. Scripture. Now, the reason I say Scripture is because um, it tells us that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The early believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which is now recorded for us in the Bible, the Scriptures. So the apostles would have passed on to them what Jesus had told them, and, and they would have showed them how Jesus had fulfilled everything that was written in the Old Testament Scriptures. At this time in Acts 2, the New Testament hadn't been written, but they passed on what Jesus taught them, and they taught them from the Old Testament Scriptures. Now these days, we don't have the apostles around to teach us about Jesus, but we do have their voices recorded for us in the New Testament. God's community was a community devoted to what we now call the Old and New Testaments, the Bible. And when the Spirit works in us, He gives us a hunger for the Word of God and leads us to devote ourselves continually to it. I say continually because the tense of this Greek word, which is what the New Testament was originally written in, Greek, the tense of this word indicates that their devotion was a persistent, ongoing action. God's community never graduates from the Bible. They devote themselves to it by reading it again and again. The Spirit leads us to the Scriptures, not away from them. So let me ask you, Do you read this book? Do you read this book? This is a gift from God. When the Spirit is at work among us, He will give us a desire to devote ourselves to the Scriptures, to learn about Jesus, to learn about how to follow Him, to learn how to walk with Him, to learn God's story about this world, what He has done and what He is going to do. Do you treasure these words? Do you have a practice in your life where you open up the Scriptures and you listen to what God is saying? It is a gift. And when the Spirit works in our hearts, we devote ourselves to the Scriptures. The second thing that God's community continually devoted themselves to was fellowship. Fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, fellowship is the word that's been used to translate the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia. That's a rich word in our Bibles in the New Testament. And my Greek dictionary tells me that koinonia describes, this is what it actually literally says, a close association involving mutual interests and sharing. 
a close association involving mutual interests and sharing. Some possible translations are association, communion, fellowship, close relationship. This is such an intimate word that Greek speakers used koinonia to speak about marriage. It's an intimate fellowship. And Luke, the author of Acts, uses it here to describe what the first Christians devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to each other. They devoted themselves to each other. They had deep relationships with one another. Now, remember that our dictionary definition says that this kind of fellowship involves mutual interests and sharing. That definition, by the way, is built on the New Testament's usage of it, so it's a biblical definition. So this wasn't just a bunch of friends hanging out with no agenda. These were people with mutual interests. These were people who were captured by the gospel and caught up in the mission of God. So if we want to grow closer together as a church, if we want deeper community as a church, it's not so much about how many social events we get along to. It's more about how willing we are to give ourselves to the mission of God. Koinonia happens when we commit ourselves to one another and together pursue Jesus' mission of spreading the gospel. I remember when Mishan and I, we moved to London and um, we joined a church that, that was a church plant. It was a brand new church. It was a church plant. So it was just a few committed believers and they were trying to establish a church. So it was very missional. And I think for that reason is why we grew so close to those people so quickly because we were all together on mission, very focused on what God had called us to do in that part of the world. And I think it works the same way today. When we devote ourselves to mission together as God's people, koinonia happens. And the quality of the early church's koinonia gave them a deep love for one another. So much so that it led to radical sharing. Luke reports that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Let's read that again. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Isn't that beautiful? When the Spirit works in our community, He will lead us to koinonia. He will lead us to, to open up and build deeper relationships with one another. He will make us nothing less than family. The church is meant to be family. Now, I know some of you in this room have painful memories of your families, but I want you to imagine what a healthy family might be like for a moment. In a healthy family, you don't just kick someone out if they're difficult. Just talk to Hayden if you want to know about that. <laughs> Hayden is normally drums up here. He's on the sound desk this morning. And I've gotten his permission to share this. He said that when he was a kid, he was especially difficult. He used to light fires in the backyard. The, fo- the house almost caught fire a few times. He- his older brother would sit in his room and he'd hear knives being thrown against the door, the bedroom door. Anyway, there's this one particular night that Joanna, his mum, told me about when she said, okay, you're going to stand outside. It's something like, until you're ready to apologize, you'll stand out here, okay? And this is what Hayden did. He went under the dog bed. He got out some blankets that he stashed. Apparently, he does this often. And he went into the dog bed and slept there overnight. Dave, 
Hayden was more willing to sleep in the dog bed than apologize for what he had done. He will be the first one to admit that he was a difficult kid. But if you spoke to Hayden after the service, you would also know that his parents never gave up on him. They never tried to exchange him for another kid. They never threw in the towel and said, oh, he's too, he's too difficult. Why? Because he was family. He was family. Is that the way you relate to others at church? Is that the way that you relate to this church as a family? Are you here for the good times and the hard times? Are you here to encourage others and to serve others? Or are you just here as long as the band plays songs that you like? Are you just here as long as three out of four weeks the sermon speaks to you? So many Christians in Brisbane relate to church like a Netflix subscription. When they get bored, they just cancel it and they move to Stan. Do you view the church as a Netflix subscription or like your family? Do you view the church as a subscription or a family? Because the Bible says it's a family. Is this church your family? Are you staying behind after services to to serve other people, to listen to other people and pray for them? Are you part of a growth group where you build real relationships, where you build relationships around Jesus and his mission? Are you committed to the people sitting around you in this church this morning? Would you sell your possessions to help someone in this church if they were in dire straits? When the Spirit is at work in our lives, He creates a family. He creates a people who are committed to one another and the mission of Jesus. He creates a community that is devoted to koinonia fellowship. He creates a community that is devoted to one another. That's the second thing that God's community is devoted to. The third thing that God's community is devoted to is worship. Worship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, the breaking of bread here probably refers to what's called the Lord's Supper. It's a meal that Jesus told us to regularly eat to remember his death on our behalf. And these early Christians devoted themselves to it. They were gospel people. They devoted themselves to remembering the good news of what Jesus had done for them by breaking bread regularly together. And they also devoted themselves to prayer. Now, I think prayer there is an unfortunate translation because they weren't just devoted to prayer generally. In Greek, it literally says that they devoted themselves to the prayers, plural. That's how the ESV translates it. The prayers, We need to remember that these first Christians were Jews. So when it says that they devoted themselves to the prayers, it meant that they continued to attend the Jewish temple and recite the Jewish prayers. This is why six verses later we see Peter and John going up to the temple at the time of prayer. The early disciples devoted themselves to worshipping God by devoting themselves to the old Jewish prayers. Now, I think this needs to be a correction to the way that we sometimes think the Spirit works. He can use pre-written prayers, pre-memorized prayers, just as powerfully as he uses spontaneous ones. He can use old forms of worship, old songs, old hymns, old instruments, organs, to draw us into true, heartfelt worship of God. Let's not make our culture or our preferences the judge 
of whether our worship is authentic, of whether the Spirit is working. The Spirit is not limited by culture or by personality or by preference or by you or by me. The Spirit is often working in ways that we do not perceive, and he led the early Christians to devote themselves to the old Jewish practices of temple worship and breaking bread, but with new meaning. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. God's community was a community devoted to worship. And notice that that happened both publicly and privately. Spirit-filled Christians aren't nomads disconnected from the church. But nor are spirit-filled Christians those who, who come and worship God in a very narrow slot on a Sunday. Spirit-filled Christians are devoted to worshiping God in both their public and private lives, whether it's on a Sunday or whether it's a group of friends or by yourself. God's community is devoted to worship. It's devoted to scripture, to fellowship, and worship. God's community is a devoted community. The second thing we see in Acts 2 is that God's community is a community of gladness and simplicity. Gladness and simplicity. It says in verse 46, they broke the bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, what does it mean when it says they had sincere hearts? Does it mean that they were, they were truthful or authentic, that they were sincere people? Well, the Greek word behind sincerity literally means simplicity. Simplicity. That's why the second point is called community of gladness and simplicity. It occurs only once in the New Testament. And it seems like Luke was saying that they had hearts of simplicity because this community had a simple purpose. One simple, unified purpose. Jesus and his mission. Now, this is actually mind-blowing because these are the same people that Peter said, you, with the help of wicked men, put Jesus to death by nailing him to the cross. These are the people who approved of Jesus' crucifixion. And here they are in our passage, eating together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God for all that he had done through Jesus. That's a pretty radical change, don't you think? How on earth did this happen? How did they go from crucifying Jesus to having one simple purpose in life, Jesus and his mission? How did they go from hating Jesus to having hearts filled with gladness over what he had done? How did this happen? Well, the Spirit happened. The Spirit of God used the Word of God to create the community of God. The Spirit used the gospel that Peter preached to move these people to repentance. So what on earth did Peter say? I want to get in on whatever he said. What is his secret? Well, the truth is Peter just told them the gospel and the Spirit used it to totally transform 3,000 people's lives. 3,000 people's lives. Let me summarize what he said in Acts chapter 2. So Peter gets up. He's filled with the Spirit. And there are Jews around that are thinking, what's going on? Because all these disciples who have been filled with the Spirit are speaking in foreign languages that they don't know. They're telling about the wonders of God, the gospel of God. And they're saying, are these people drunk? And Peter gets up and says, 
These men are not drunk. This is the spirit being poured out. This is what was promised. Years and years earlier, through the prophet Joel, he said that God will pour out his spirit on his people. And let me tell you who this promise came through. Jesus, who you crucified. Peter was blunt. And he said, but, but we knew about this. We believed that one of David's sons would be the Messiah to come and deliver us. And that same David, he said in one of the Psalms, he said, you will not abandon my soul to the grave. You will not let my flesh see corruption. And then Peter says, but brothers, sisters, David died. His grave is here to this day. David wasn't speaking about himself. He was prophesying ahead. He was prophesying of the Messiah, the son of David, who would rise from the dead. And this person is Jesus. This Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Messiah. That's what Peter said. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 who would crucify Jesus began worshipping Jesus and were filled with hearts of gladness and simplicity. Simplicity of purpose. Now that's radical. That's not man-made, that's the Spirit of God at work through the gospel. And the Spirit of God is here with us this morning. He can totally transform your life. He can give you a heart of gladness and simplicity. And I'm just going to trust him now as I ask you to respond to the gospel that Peter preached. So Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord, use this, speak to us. Do you believe that Jesus, the one that Peter preached about, that man who lived 2,000 years ago, do you believe that he was God's chosen one? That he was the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, the King of Kings? Do you believe? Do you believe that the grave could not hold him and that God actually raised him from the dead? Do you believe? If you do, my brother, my sister, you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been filled with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit who created a community like no other. A community who sold homes to help each other. This Spirit is among us and He is available. And if you don't yet believe in Jesus... I want to call on you this morning to do what Peter said, to repent. To repent means to turn around from the direction that you've been following. Peter calls on us to repent and to believe. To turn around from whatever direction we were going in life and to turn to Jesus and believe that he was God's chosen one. Come and join the community that God is creating in this world. There's a place for you. And he really is creating nothing less than a miraculous community. A miraculous community. You know, God is capable of far more than we could ever imagine. Acts 2 marked a new era in history. And it was marked out with miraculous signs and wonders. People spoke of the gospel in languages they didn't even know, in tongues. And it says that in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This community witnessed the spirit work miracles in their midst. 
And this spirit still works miracles today. I've seen the spirit doing this in and through our church. Over the past few months, our prayer team has been praying for Judy's daughter-in-law, Sophie. Judy is a member in our church, and she told us a while back that her daughter-in-law has been battling MS, multiple sclerosis, a, a progressive disease, a debilitating disease. And she was confined to a motorized wheelchair. They had to use hoists to, to bring her in and out of the wheelchair. She wasn't able to leave the house. It was taking a toll on her and her family. And just in this past month, Judy came up to me and told me that Sophie had been miraculously healed. She is walking again with the aid of a walking stick. She seems to be nothing less than miraculously healed. She is going out with her husband again and doing things. I talked to my wife about this. She was a paramedic and she said, MS is like a progressive disease. You don't get better. And so I was talking to Judy on the phone about this two days ago and I was just asking if I could share it this morning and at the end of the phone call, she was just laughing and saying, it's a miracle. God has done a miracle. God's community is a miraculous community. And we should be asking the Spirit to work miracles among us today. Let's not subscribe to the worldview around us that is just naturalistic evolution that says it's just what you touch and see, that's what's real, that's it. Let's subscribe to what Jesus says and believe that the Spirit is among us and that He can do whatever He pleases. He can do whatever He pleases. Now, having said all that, I do just want to acknowledge that Acts 2 was a particularly special moment in God's story. That day marked a new era in God's plan for the world. It really was nothing less than what we call the end times breaking in. The age of the Messiah had begun, and it was marked out with many signs and wonders. The disciples were filled with the Spirit, and tongues of fire sat on their heads. It was a special day. So I don't know about you, but I don't see many new believers with fire sitting on their heads these days. If I see fire on your head after the service, I'm going to grab the fire extinguisher, okay? Acts 2 was a special day. So I'm not saying that we need to be seeing tongues of fire in everyone's heads now, but I'm saying that the same spirit who worked in Acts 2 is with us today and that he can do anything and that he still works miracles as he pleases. But in our passage, I think the greatest miracle is not so much the wonders performed by the apostles, but the fact that the Lord was saving people left, right, and center. The Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. When people who crucified Jesus turn around to, and, and worship him, I'd call that a miracle, a huge miracle. What might happen if we surrendered ourselves to the Spirit's will as a church? What might happen if we surrendered to the Spirit as a church and asked God to move through us and just gave him our yes and just surrendered to what he wanted for us? When God's Spirit is reigning over us, we will become more and more devoted to the Scriptures, to each other, to worship. We will become a community of gladness and simplicity. We will be nothing short of a miraculous community that brings more and more people into God's family. The Spirit of God creates a community like no other. Let's ask Him to do His work in us. Let's pray and ask Him to do that.
Lord, we thank you that we are not here by ourselves, but we are here with you. We are here with you, Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we just, we've just witnessed what you did in Acts chapter 2, and, and we want to give you glory. And, and we just want to surrender ourselves to you as a community. Lord, would you make us a community after your own heart? Would you produce in us a desire to walk with you, to devote ourselves to the scriptures, to devote ourselves to one another, to devote ourselves to worship? Lord, work in us. Have your way in us. We are here for you this morning. We exist for your glory. We exist for your mission. We are your people, your church your community. Thank you, Lord. We can trust you to work in us. And we just want to pray for one another this morning, Lord. Wherever each person is at in this room, Lord, we pray for those who don't yet know you, that you would reveal yourself to them, Jesus. That you would reveal yourself as the one who is the deliverer, the Messiah, the one who rose from the grave. Lord, we ask for our brothers and sisters who are struggling, who are battling with sin, who, who are finding it hard to get connected. Lord, please help them. Please encourage them. Please fill them up, Holy Spirit, and help them to, to move out in vulnerability towards others. Lord, make us your community. We bless your name and we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.